Hi, I'm Britton LaRue, and this is Moon to Moon. Moon to Moon is a space to consider, celebrate, and share the ways we come home to ourselves, anchor through change, and uncover our power. One month, one phase, one loving step at a time. Hi everyone, welcome to a new moon to moon. I'm recording this on 8-8, the new moon in Leo. Feeling really ready for a new cycle here. And feeling, feeling pretty clear about what's coming on for me here. And how to listen to what's coming next in my, in my sphere. And having a little more clarity feels really good. I'm hoping that you also feel some discernment that may have been missing these last couple months. I'm not saying I got full clarity. <laughs> but I'm, I'm feeling like I get it, okay? I, I get you 2021. <laughs> um. And I and I, I definitely in that last cycle, my teacher card uh, was the fool. It was a big fool fool cycle for me. Like on a daily basis, I was at the, I was at these like crossroad moments where it was like, to the, that direction is the old way you handled that, <laughs> or the old way we approach that, and over here is the way that you normally don't go. Hmm. And it was like, some of those days, it was like, no, I'm doing it the old way. <laughs> because I'm a cute human, and I like doing things the way I've always done them, <laughs> just like all of us. And then other days, it was like, okay, I'll take the leap. I'll respond differently to my life. And yeah, I started to feel some se- a sense of like certain default modes just, you know, being, being moved out. And that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I felt a lot of shake up with my defaults and, um, and I'm inviting more of that. May it be easeful for you and for me. May it be unexpectedly pleasurable, even And I especially wish for it to be insightful because feeling in insight is one of my favorite things. I don't know about you. So I'm giving you here another episode in the series that I'm doing, Living the Fuck Out of Your Chart. I'm having a series of conversations with people who seem to me to be living the fuck out of their chart, whether they know their chart at all or not. 
So my guest today, who I'll talk more about in a minute, is one of those people who really doesn't know that much about her chart. And, um, but that doesn't really matter to me in, in, the, in the scope of this kind of series. Uh, we don't need astrology to live the fuck out of our charts. Um, so what do we need? And I'm hoping that through these conversations, we're exploring that idea of like, what is that like ingredient set um, that helps us to live, to feel like we're living the fuck out of our charts, which is um, maybe another way of saying living the fuck out of our lives, right? Um, we're playing with this. We're playing with this idea. And I absolutely welcome your 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 insights and your feedback and questions there. So feel free to reach out to me if this series is bringing things up for you and you want to have conversations about that. Last week, I did a webinar with my collaborator, Jonathan Coe, called Living the Fuck Out of Your Chart. And you can catch that replay at any time through the show notes, through my IG links. Um, I'm just going to be emailing it a lot right now because it was awesome. It was super fun. The energy was fantastic. And um, yeah, Jonathan's co-leading my upcoming long-term commitment, seven-month foundational astrology class starting September 1. And we wanted to have this conversation anyway. And we also felt like, you know, it would be a really nice way to bring people into feeling what our dynamic is like, like what our vibes like, how we treat each other, how we treat the community that we constellate, how we talk about astrology, the kinds of things that we're interested in with astrology. And that will, that will help folks who are feeling a yes, like, yes, I want to learn astrology. Yes, I want to learn how to read my chart. Yes, I want to how to learn how to read the fuck out of my chart. That will help you, if that's you, um, feel into, like, are these the people for that with me? You know, like, is this the voice that I want? Are these the voices? Are these the mentors? Because just like in school growing up, the people who are leading the class, the content, um, really shape what it feels like, right? What it feels like in your body. And I'm very invested in how it feels, how my teachings feel in this, the bodies of the people that I constellate. That's central to me. Um, because I want it to feel like, uh, just, like an amazing experience, you know, like it's more than a course, you know, just like, Oh, I want people to feel on the other end of it of like, Oh my gosh, what if I hadn't done that? You know, what if I hadn't said yes to that? Just, Whoa, you know, I want it to feel so expansive and magical and also just fun and playful and like mind blowing in the sense of like, um, the insights that are rolling in. I want it to feel warm and heart-led and collaborative and not competitive. Um, I want my 
my course experiences to feel like how I want the world to feel like all the time. (laughs) So I just opened enrollment actually for early bird. I just like did it way earlier than I planned. I was not going to do it till middle of August, but I started thinking about how the magic begins the moment you enroll and why not let people start feeling the magic now? I also was thinking about people's nervous systems and how it's nice to like know your calendar and like know what's coming and like plan the budget. And if if you're a yes, like let's go ahead and help you get that in line. Like why wait? (laughs) So I just decided to open early bird, but it's not available through my web the, my website. You still need to sign up for the waitlist that are the links and my website to get the link for Early Bird or be in my Patreon community. I'm sharing it with them because that's like my insider group. And if you sign up for Living the Fuck Out of Your Chart, the webinar, I am sharing the link to Early Bird with those folks too since they had a big yes to me and Jonathan for that topic. So if you love Moon to Moon, if you resonate with my voice, if you're into my workbooks, if you've taken classes with with Jonathan and or me before and you feel like these are the guides that I want for this huge, huge, huge toolkit shift um, in my life, then I hope you'll say yes to the early bird bonus because it allows you more time with us. Um, That's what the bonus is, is more meetups. Because I promise if you join, you're going to want to talk about astrology all the time. And the world at large is not all talking about astrology at those levels, right? It's a language. And the thing with learning another language is like there's different levels of feeling comfortable with the language. And we're going to places where like it's it's beyond what most people know, you know? And so having more meetups felt to me like a really generous bonus to give to those people who are really ready to commit. So hmm, I already have some signups. Very exciting. It's always amazing who magnetizes. Um, You know, people sign up who I knew were going to sign up. They've been telling me they were going to sign up. They've been asking for this class for months because I haven't had it open since April 2020. And they're like, okay, I'm ready. Why wait? I love it. I was like, oh, I knew they were joining. Awesome. Welcome. And then I've had people signing up that are really, I didn't know they were even in my field of influence or like my field of contact, you know, like that's the funny thing about putting yourself out there, putting your voice out there is you don't really, you can't really be conscious around the people you're reaching um it's important to realize that like our fields of the way we affect our fields is not something we can have full consciousness around you know so it's so beautiful when these names come in and it's like I don't even know who that is This this is amazing you know like hello I'm so excited to get to know you you know hmm promoting is just super high magic. Um, and I, I'm excited to be in it for a little while. Please, please reach out to me. Um, if you have questions or concerns, I'm even happy to get on a quick phone call with you. If you want to talk it out, I know it's a big 
decision for your time, for your energy, and for your money. It's an investment. It's a huge investment, right? Because like, what are investments? They come back to you. Like you get paid back for them, right? You will get paid back for this investment by all that it gives your life. But it is an investment. And so the timing needs to be right. And you need to feel a yes to the teachers because that is really what's going to um, allow, like the resonance there is, is to me really important. So um, returning to the thematic of living the fuck out of your chart, I want to share with you then about my guest, Danica, who I invited to come talk with me in honor of living the fuck out of your chart. Danica's bio here, Danica is a pagan life coach and educator who guides folks to shed limitation and imperialism through genuine reconnection with the abundance innate in the world and ourselves. She specializes in embodied creativity, non-hierarchical mentorship, and the energetics of holding epic love-fueled visions for humankind and the earth. She began in academia And after a master's in medieval studies and a teaching specialization in indigenous pedagogy, she left the conventional job market to pursue folklore podcasting and online teaching full-time. She leads courses and coaches on social and personal transformation, money and career from a pagan animistic worldview. (laughs) Danica is so great. I have been following her a really long time. I'm a huge fan of Danica Boyce. I'm a student. I've taken different webinars and I've taken her class Abundance Paganism. I've long time loved the, the podcast that she served for quite some time. We talk all about this in the conversation, so I don't need to get into it. But um, I just, when I thought about like, who is living the fuck out of their chart? <laughs> Danica really really came to the front of my mind um and I was so excited that she said yes because I have had so many questions for her like I've just had this backlog of like I wonder this and I wonder that and like I wonder how that connection happened and watching her moves um as she shifted her career the last couple of years I've just wondered, like, what is it about that shift? I'm so curious. So I got to ask all these questions I've been wanting to ask her. And um, I think the reason I resonate so strongly with Danica is I sense, um, and we, we, we get into this in the, in the conversation, so I don't want to steal the magic of that. But I sensed in her that, like me, she's someone who kind of like didn't know how to be her magical self in in our culture and like found a lot of a place to put herself through academia, just like me, that's part of my story, but it didn't quite fit, right? Like it's not that she wasn't doing well, right? It's not that I wasn't doing really well in academia. It just wasn't quite my spirit is like not where my spirit wanted to be and thus the part of me just never fully fully felt here because my spirit didn't know how to be here and 
witnessing Danica find ways to sustain herself, to put her work out there, to draw an audience, to promote classes, to be paid for just being herself and being her big bright spirit and helping other people draw their big bright spirit out into the world. Like that just completely resonates with what I'm here for and what I want and the model I want to set and the inspiration I want to be because the only way I can live here is if I'm me and to be fully me, I have to be a mystic. I have to be, um, someone who talks to planets. <laughs> I have to uh, fully commit to magic, you know? I just do. And watching her soar helps me trust in my own flight. And I'm just cheering her on so much. And I'm encouraging anyone listening who's resonating with Danica's voice to please go check out her work. She also has an upcoming class. I'm not going to steal that thunder. I'm going to let you hear about it in the conversation, but the links will be in the show notes. So please, please, please um, go follow Danica if, if you love what you hear. And if you love what you hear, I hope you will leave a review or leave a rating because it really helps Moon to Moon. Wishing you a beautiful new cycle. And now, enjoy this conversation with Danica Boyce. Thank you for joining me on Moon to Moon, Danica. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really feeling excited about this conversation. I woke up with this kind of um, feeling of destiny today. <laughs> so I feel like this is going to be a really good chat. Oh, tell me what waking up with the feeling of destiny feels like to you. Well, it feels kind of like I'm in touch with some some like earnest tenderness, like in a really pleasant way you know like when you're like oh my heart is just open and things are yeah are touching me but I feel very safe about it and I think that's like for me that feels like a flow state you know an ideal kind of way of being and amazing things are born from that feeling in my life mm. <laughs> I want to get back to that when we start talking about your chart in a minute <laughs> yes please um okay so to begin, um, I shared with you by email that this is part of a series I'm doing called Living the Fuck Out of Your Chart. Yes. So we can talk about how we might define that, even though that's an open phrasing that welcomes everybody's interpretations. Um, and then I would love to, as a way into thinking about you and your chart, I would like to share with you how you came into my life and how you've been um, just someone kind of in my impressionable field and someone who I've been watching and, and learning from for quite a while now. 
And um, then I'd love to just jump into hearing your stories and contextualizing maybe how what I'm seeing from my view with like your own lived experience, if that sounds like a good start. Sounds wonderful. I think it's like a huge gift for other people to offer you an objective view on your life. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. Well, um, the let me just say that the idea with living the fuck out of your chart, um, which I'm defining in an episode before this one will air, uh, has to do uh, with something that came up in the class that I was teaching on astrology with my students last year uh, as like something that would be really great, right? It's like, I would like to live the fuck out of my chart. <laughs> and, yeah. Like, what does that even mean, right? Um, and like, why might that be different than say, living your chart, which one could argue that we're all doing all the time. Um, is living our charts. And what I'm coming to as a kind of working way of defining this idea is that living the fuck out of your chart feels to me like really accepting its invitations in an embodied way okay. of really um, like inviting in wholeness in your life and connection in your life and presence inside of your own body. And our, all of our charts have different, I think, invitations around like how we can get disembodied and ways that we might recenter to our vitality, you know, and feel it within ourselves and, so, and feel into so many things that I feel like you teach about and that you've helped me feel more embodied with in my own self. So that's why I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this. <laughs> Absolutely. I feel and like I get to you're living the fuck out of your life. So I'm pretty oh. sure you're living the fuck out of your chart. <laughs> well, I would love to know where I'm missing the, <laughs> the, the train or whatever too. Like, I know there's, I mean, I think we spoke about this in a message sometime too, that like, there's always room, you know, for us to integrate even more. I mean, I guess that's the project of being alive. Um, whenever we're never done, but like really digging in and consciously choosing to to participate in the the waves that or like ride the waves that actually exist instead of trying to plow through them yes yes i know yeah i was thinking about how at least for me like um responsibility has been a has been a factor in this process of like becoming more and more connected with myself because um declining responsibility was like a way to feel to be disembodied if that makes sense um mm -hmm. and i think that for me embodiment is about being responsible for like my own vitality so um that it's it's oh, yeah. me that will help do that not like mm -hmm. coming from somewhere else um so we're just gonna play around with this as like a working way of thinking about living the fuck out of your chart yes. as a way in then. So um, let me tell you how I first found you. I was thinking about it today and I heard about you from a friend that I think is mutual, which is Elise Ensenberger. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was working with Elise as uh, like a spiritual business coach back a couple of years ago. And wow. she was Lemmy, known as Lemmy Stica Tarot back then. I don't know how you, you guys met each other. 
And um, I was really interested in bridging astrology with rhythm and ritual and, and ways of feeling more connected to season and feeling more connected to my body in a material way, like um, being more participatory in the outer world um, to be also closer to my inner world. <laughs> and so I think she's also just an intuitive genius. So something about <laughs> what I was telling her, like created a little hit for her that I should, could check your podcast out, Fair Folk. Mm-hmm. And um, so I started following you on Instagram. Then this was like, I guess, spring 2018. And tuning in now and then to Fair Folk, like really loving parts of episodes, maybe not necessarily finishing them because I think a part of me, it was like more detail than I could even, I could even like take in, you know, that's my curse. (laughs) Let's let's speak about fair folk, like, um, fair folk. How would you define fair folk for someone who's never tuned in? And I know that it's changed. So maybe speak about fair folk circa 2018, 2019. When did it begin? It began in 2016, actually, um, but 2018 is when I started taking it on the road. So it was a it was a radio show at a local um, community radio station in in Smithers, a small town in northern BC, where I am right now. And uh, this radio station is in like an abandoned train car outside the museum, which is so rustic and wonderful. And um, it was it was a place for me to put all the research that I was compelled to do through this like mysterious force <laughs> compulsion um, into European folklore. And at the time I was actually planning on writing a fantasy novel based on folklore. And I still have the outline. I may sometime write that novel. Uh, and it was about a sacred spring specifically, which I didn't get to in the podcast until much later. But um, I was also dealing with a lot of physical trauma from uh where like, I guess, psychological and emotional trauma, but also physical from a surgery that I'd had a few years before. Um, I had, this, is, this is a lot of information, but this is one of the origins of the podcast is that I'd had um, a leap procedure on my cervix. And it was like, it's where they basically like cauterize your cervix because if you have like irregular cells because they're trying to prevent cervical cancer, but for me, it was not done with proper consent and it was done in very like sloppy and I thought abusive ways. And I wouldn't have consented to it if I'd understood the side effects and et cetera. So I was really sick a few years after this, my health and like well-being really declined after. And so I stopped, I finished university. I did a teaching degree after my master's and moved into my parents' basement. And I was just, yeah, I couldn't do much else. So I just started um researching folklore like crazy like it was like the thing that the you know the gods told me to do and so I just started doing it because it was it was the only thing I wanted to do and then someone suggested I put it on a on a radio show because they needed people at the radio station making things and so I started doing that and I had and it turned out yeah like I'd been researching folk songs too for many years with nowhere to put them (laughs) and so they all came together as like it was a it was a show about folk song and folklore and from Europe. And I would profile different countries or different themes at the beginning. And then later I started going on the road to record performers of, of folk song and speak to folklorists and sort of like 
do some living ethnography in Europe just to show myself and others that that living tradition and and nourishing pagan and folk tradition still exists there because I had this really strong feeling of homelessness that I had growing up as a settler in North America and it was such a balm to to find out just how deep and broad tradition is in Europe and that Europe is full of many different cultures and approaches and it's not just this weird flat depressing identity that we were given as North American residents of of like whiteness whatever that whatever that means it's usually defined so negatively and depressingly for us so um that was just a huge liberation for me and uh I channeled um you know that illness became like I mean it's very much secondary to what came after which was a total transformation of my career and life yes yeah. so what what um what had been like the path or what did you think you were going to do before the illness right yeah well I was in academia for quite a long time I think I did 10 years of school because that was that was what I was compelled to do and every time I tried to get a job <laughs> of any kind it really only lasted for four months maximum um and so I would go back to school again and I had it seemed like every time I got a degree the economy would collapse like the same day that I graduated roughly so um I continually went back so I, I was in academia and I thought maybe I'd become a professor and then I was told that you know tenure is being phased out of universities and um and I realized that like academia was not healthy for me anyway so I became a teacher a high school teacher I got trained in education with a specialization in indigenous pedagogy and so I was set to be a teacher and I was teaching for actually about five years, but the whole time I was planning my escape because <laughs> I just, I couldn't stand the institution like um, of public schools. I, I really, I mean, I didn't even graduate high school and it was so wild that I wound up back in the same high school that I attended teaching English 12 um, when I'd never even taken it. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, yeah, it was it was interesting and it, and it was very rich in terms of my learning about myself and how I really feel about learning and education and how information ought to be passed on to the next generation um, or to each other. Yeah, so I was set to be a teacher and I was teaching professionally um, and it was, you know, a secure job, but to me it felt a bit like a prison in that respect. Very Sagittarius. If I know what I'm going to do until retirement, I, I'm not up for it. <laughs> So you're, you're in this situation where you're looking for some kind of light, I guess, right? Like when you, when you began the podcast, like something to put your hope on, mm -hmm. is that what it felt like? Yeah. And it felt a bit like a purging almost where there were, there were all these instincts that I'd had my whole life that I'd been forced to suppress um, all these things that I'd want like I just wanted to be in the forest like looking for fairies you know and that was that was so beyond ridiculous when I was growing up that um that it wasn't even something I would let myself think about like it used to be embarrassing before Harry Potter it used to be embarrassing to read fantasy novels you know that was like yeah. or self-help books for that matter <laughs> um anything about like nourishing the self and the imagination and 
even the arts and where I come from anyway, in, in the North, that was, that was not to be taken seriously. And so there was, it was just a moment where I, I gave myself the space to just like express everything that I had hidden <laughs> from myself and from the world for, for 30 odd years. Slowly, uh, it didn't all happen at once. <laughs> yes, it was hard. It was not articulate at the time. I didn't know exactly what was happening, but I knew I couldn't do anything else. I was like, I cannot, literally, cannot work a conventional job for another day. This is just not. It's not yes. happening. And and how um, did it grow quickly? Like, how long did it take for people to be like, "Oh my gosh, you're doing the very thing that I need right now." Um, it grew, I, it's hard to say how quickly it grew because every step was such a miracle to me because I had no, like the first person who wrote me a message and said that it meant something to them, you know, I probably wept. I'd never met anyone who liked the same things as me in that way. Um, so yeah, it was like I had 20 followers or whatever and that was enormous. And, um, and then I had 50 and then I had, you know, several thousand and it took about, I mean, I've been doing it for five years and now I actually think I stopped doing it just recently. Um, and now I think that there's more listeners since I stopped making it, there's more listeners than there ever were, which is so funny. I'm like, I haven't updated it in months. <laughs> um, they just keep finding it somehow, which is so wild. Like to think that your actions, these actions that like I had, I was doing it blind. I had no idea that there would be anyone else. It was just a total stab in the dark. I'd never imagined that like, I could make something like that and then I could make a living off of it or anything. I was just so flattered that anyone listened at all um, to think that, yeah, it's just every, every step has been such a, a revelation, <laughs> which is why I speak so passionately about doing what you want with your life. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I think that um, like what really came through when I would listen, is just like, this is so thoughtful. I felt that it, your devotion to what you were talking about and your respect for what you were talking about felt so um, precious, you know, like precious because so I feel like so few people feel so speak with such um, reverence for what they're, they're con communicating, you know, and um I, I just felt, I felt very inspired by your dedication to what you were doing. And then, so I was like listening, kind of, you were in my periphery. I was like taking it in, taking it in. I'm kind of coming back to a uh, more recent time. And I think, um, well, maybe one of the first things that really perked my attention is I remember you changed your Instagram handle from those Danica child, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. To Danica Boyce. Mm -hmm. And um, you maybe said something in like a story about like, because that's my name. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really resonated with it and too, because um, I've been one of those adult people where like my mom and stepdad, like had my name in their phones as contact information as baby Britain, you know, and there's like this, like kind of, uh, there was like, um, energetic there about like me still being kind of a child or me being like, um, 
mm-hmm. not fully capable of providing and taking from care of myself. Um, oh my gosh, that really resonates. <laughs> okay. Well, as I said, I never had a real job until I was 30, right? Like I didn't, people really didn't think I could like make it. And I think that was my reputation in my family that like, don't leave her alone. She'll wander off and you'll never see her again. <laughs> yes. Totally. Even though like you're clearly so capable in certain ways, right? Like that's mm-hmm. my case too. Is um, but there being some part of me that's like not really fully of this world and everyone's a little oh, definitely. concerned. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, that's amazing because like that that really is kind of what happened, is that like I was I was very much with one foot in this world and one foot in the other world my whole life. And I think that it was only when I really like acknowledged my devotion to this otherworldly um, stuff and made it material and started sharing it with people that I that I stepped with both feet into this world that like I didn't lose contact with the other world in that way. But like I started to like, you know, convince myself, make a case for belonging here. um, And I never had before. And that's probably why I never was able to support myself either. Right. Like um, because I didn't want to. Not entirely, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel like this world deserved my devotion, Um, Mm. but it was about devotion to, or at least acknowledgement of the kinds of devotion that I wanted to have. And I think that that's something we kind of, we, we say that we suffer from a lack of, of reverence in this culture. And I think actually what it is, is that reverence, like, at least in my experience, like I am overflowing with reverence. It's considered a disability. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like um, I've been framed as like a lunatic because I have so much of it, but we, almost everyone who has that feeling of overflowing love is, is definitely instructed to hide it as, as well as they can. And I don't think that it's, I don't think it's lacking at all. I think it's in so much abundance. It's just that it's been made taboo for some reason and funneled into these really inappropriate, you know, things. Like we all have so much power, like we wouldn't be able to like, we wouldn't be so successfully marketed to by so many corporations if we weren't full of longing and desire and like, um, you know, need to connect and, and become one with the world, right? We wouldn't be so available for that if we weren't filled with some kind of devotion mm. naturally. Mm. Yeah, this is all resonating a lot for me. <laughs> I like feeling myself in this. Um, and this, which is why I'm saying that it was like a first real zing for me, like with where your work went to like a new, like full body zing. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for pointing that out to me. That was a real moment. Hey, like, and I actually, like, I was really unconscious that that was my Instagram name until I had this mentor who one day was like, she really kind of bluntly was like, why I went on your Instagram, like, why is it Danica child? Like, what, what does that mean? And she's in her 60s, right? So she's like, why would you have a pseudonym for the internet that makes you sound like a baby? <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, I, this was invisible to me. <laughs> your name's Danica boys. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And like, in that moment, I feel like there began to be this like shift in your mm-hmm. whole presence um Mm. of uh, and I feel like part of how to describe what that felt like is embodiment um like you were like landing you know in yourself in some way and like a new way maybe then Mm. you had already been landing in yourself in new ways and then that seemed to me just to kind of like 
say something important. And then I feel like um, over the course of 2020, and I don't, I'm so curious to know like this from your perspective, but um, I feel like I started to see things like you made, um, maybe it was an IG live about how patriarchy isn't the problem. And you talked about scarcity (laughs) and you had a podcast episode, um, healing the wounds of empire. And I was like listening because I wanted to hear you talk about this and you, you acknowledge like you hadn't really talked about this as much because you wanted it to be a space that everyone felt welcome, but you want, it was time for you to talk about this, you know? And that's maybe one of the first times I listened to the very end of the episode. Cause it was like, <laughs> I want, I can't miss any of this. Like, you know, where before I might think, I think I have enough for me to take, you know, <laughs> I feel, I feel full. I'm good. This was I like, really I'm not feeling until you stop every- talking. <laughs> yeah, totally. I really want to just for a sec, I love that feeling. Like I'll often pick up a book and read like the first sentence and then be like, I'm done. I got it. And I'll be off on a tangent for days. Like whatever. It was nourishing enough. <laughs> just like yeah. put your finger in. You're like, okay, good. <laughs> I really understand that. Um, you're right. I felt for some reason, I felt like I needed to hide the part of me that was like articulate. Well, not articulate. I guess it was all words, but um really politically explicit there was something and I think I figured this out recently very recently there was something about discussing politics in public that felt not right like it wasn't in my voice and it didn't I didn't want to like bring it in because I had a feeling that it was like pulling out a bunch of knives like (laughs) this is the sensation I had after being in academia and in social justice spaces I just really didn't want to bring that energy Um, that I didn't totally understand why it felt so rigid and harsh, but I didn't want to bring that in. And then something, yeah, I was on a walk one day and I, I felt compelled to maybe make my first or one of my first Instagram live videos where I was just like, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not, the problem isn't like what some guy did or like what, like the fact, even the fact that like the last 500 years, Um, have been this way like there's so much more potentiality in history and the only problem is actually the way that we're setting our worldview and our mind and our hearts towards each other and our and our culture like and I just think that like I just know that there's so much possibility in every moment and the stories that we tell about the past are just so limiting and 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 its relationship to the present like I like find it like my body just like grows grows quills or something when someone says like oh it'll, it's always been that way <laughs> and I'm like I mean yeah. after a few like degrees in historical subjects you start to think like the middle ages isn't the middle of anything like it's been so like we've only had written history for such a brief period of human history like how could you possibly assume that you know how everything has always been and always like use it as a justification for things remaining that way like what <laughs> it's just the most yes infuriating thought but a lot of people walk around with that anyway I was I think I was contemplating deep time in that moment and I was like we need some more permission to explore how how deep time works and how how we're shaped by time and history and so yeah yeah, the point of that video was that patriarchy isn't the problem scarcity mindset is and the belief that we're in competition 
Yeah. I, I like, I think I just like picked up Instagram still wet from a shower and you were the first thing. And I just like stood there like wet, just like, I have to watch this. (laughs) And then, and then it kind of just like went boom, 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 because I feel like then last summer you had this, the episode of introducing abundance paganism, which is a course that you've now led several times. And I took the first iteration of, mm-hmm. um, and then you had, I mean, I think I always give money in the dragon episode as a resource to my students. <laughs> like I pass that around widely because I thought that that episode was so good. I was just running to it, just like throwing like pumps in the air. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, and it's so for me too. like these, these ideas that just like wanted to leap out of me, but I was like, I knew that there'd be a backlash about a lot of the things I've said. Like people don't want to admit that, that they could just change their mind. <laughs> That's yeah. part of it. Like, we're like, I would say like, here's a reframe and people would be like, are you telling me that my oppression is, is my fault? And I'm like, no, what? Like, I'm telling you that you have some options. But it's so interesting that we there's such deep defensiveness around um, talking about money differently or, or even just saying that, you know, there's there's possibility because for some reason people take that as an accusation, which is um, maybe it's the horror of realizing that you didn't know about such possibility before. Um, Ooh, just, is a, wow. <laughs> yeah. That is, that's so true. Um, and the grief about that, you know, yeah, for your, so... for your, fam- your ancestors and everything. Yeah. Um, it's a lot yeah. to and carry. The life that you've lived being, being, you know, intentionally blinded to so many things that are just so simple and available. It's really, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm getting really vague here, but <laughs> no, um, okay. Yeah. Abundance mindset. <laughs> and embodiment and Mm. then uh so then you started rolling out abundance paganism last fall and then you had the wonderful um ars magica butthole magic series and it was just like she is lit i just love (laughs) watching 2020 happen for you because uh i felt like there was something just so lit about the way that arc happened over the course of the year. So inspiring. And then a year, I feel like you're still shape-shifting. Um, it seems oh, yeah, like actively like, even more yeah. probably. Yeah. I remember reading, um, you posted that you were going to write a book about abundance paganism and mm. now, and then you realize you want to write about money. And so it's like, mm. it's, it's like, was that like a, section of abundance paganism or like a an aspect of it that just really kind of took you and that you wanted to keep going with that or what do you think was that shift um well like with everything I wish I knew I wish I could tell a story that explained it but I just I was sitting down and I was um yeah I was planning to write I was just like I want to write something this summer I want to write a book and I was going to write about abundance paganism because it's something I had experience with and that's what a reasonable person does Um, And then I was sitting in front of this piece of paper for hours and like, you know, kind of languidly writing down the things that are in abundance paganism, the concepts. Um, And then there was one little part on the page where I wrote money. And then all around that word came this sort of like, um, 
what do you call it? Like a mind map or a web. And it just like took over the, the page, you know? And I was like, okay, obviously my enthusiasm lies in this one specific element of abundance right now. And I'm being really called to explore that. And, and so I actually, um, I developed a course around it before I'm going to write anything as a proper book. Um, I, I'm opening a, a course, a new course, like tomorrow. <laughs> so it'll Woo! be, it'll probably be open when you release wait for the drops of all your promotional. <laughs> your promotional is so engaging. I, mm. I, I, I think of you as like a model for how to, um, make promotion, like a courtship and like a mm. dance and a fun way to engage with people, you know, yeah. So bravo. <laughs> I learned it from someone else. <laughs> I want to give credit. To, um, my business coach is the one who, who taught me about that. Cause I was like, yeah, at first the thought of launching something or marketing something seemed like a nightmare having grown up. So anti-capitalist and be like, selling things must be bad, you know, the whole um, thing. But once I got, once I got right with money, I was like, oh yeah, this is about just becoming available for collaboration and sharing that's what we're doing. There's no, there's nothing sneaky about it or dirty about it. It's just opening the door and inviting mm. people in if, if they want to come <laughs> and like, yes. they can enjoy the show if they don't. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm. Can you share the title? Yeah. It's called money queer. Wow. It's I love about, it. Yeah. Non-binaristic, non-binaristic, non-hierarchical, non-linear states of being and approaching material reality and erotic attraction to life and the earth. <laughs> I'm pretty Whoa. excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, congrats. It's so great okay. to come to a name and a framework. Um, I call that framework magic when you just kind of <laughs> land into it. <laughs> One day. Yeah. Actually the course came almost a year after the title. I was like, what is money queer going to be? Like it just came through me, I think last September. Yeah. Um, it, I would just kept circling around and around it. And then, and then it sort of simplified itself. It was like, yeah, right. The queer, queer theory approach to money, of course, mm. <laughs> but like accessible, not like you say queer theory. And I think of like, if, I mean, if you're even familiar with that, it's like an academic approach to, to any sort of text or it's a way of deconstructing based in the queer identity politics, but I mean, originating in that, but yeah, again, it's just about deconstructing binaries and like, okay, so what does deconstructing binaries look like in our actual lived life? You know, because I think that's kind of what happened when I decided to like enter the world <laughs> physically was like, well, how do I actually do this? This is an abstract thing that we all learned we're supposed to do to sort of reject what is the structures that exist. Right. But we haven't learned how to integrate, reintegrate after we've you know, rejected what doesn't suit us. How do we embrace what does and the like spectrum of possibility there? We can look at this in your chart. That's that would be really fun. Um, <laughs> along with many other things that you said, I'll, I'll pull it up, but I'm, I'm definitely wishing you abundant um, exchange with all the people that you bring to this. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> Um, because what Thank I you. thought of when you said that is like, whoa, because I noticed how you have in your second house, um, which is the second, how familiar are you with this astrology in your chart? 
Not terribly. I know my, you know, my sun sign and my rising sign and my moon. And when I look at the chart, I'm like, whoa, mystical. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, what first drew me in is I was like, just the look of it. It was like, I must learn how to read this language. But, um, okay. So let's look at your second, your son then in Sagittarius is in the second house. And the second house has to do with da, 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 abundance, um, to do with uh, finances, assets, your material life, how you resource yourself, um, how you define abundance, because we all define abundance differently and it depends on our values. So a lot of second house things really have to do with like determining value, including your value. It has to do with things like your worth and like how to support your worth, you know? So it also would include like what you do to learn, to um, accrue experiences and skills and tools to support your material life. Mm. So it's an, you know, it's a part of human life. We all uh, live in a lot, do a lot. It matters just like all the houses really. And so you know, having a son here, um, you know, the spirit of Sagittarius, like, which to me has a lot to do with being like a forever student and a teacher, you know, uh, would be like coming up with independent ways to define what abundance means to you. Um, maybe looking outside of your local neighborhood for those answers because Sagittarian, Sagittarius is associated with long travels and like foreign lands and also the cosmos because it's like greater meaning um, beyond like just what's right here. But you have Uranus, the planet Uranus right next to your sun. And Uranus is the planet that has to do with liberation, not being put in a box. It has to do with like absolute authenticity, like not, um, wearing a mask, like having to feel free, you know? So sun Uranus is like, to me, um, an invitation in this life to like, love yourself for the ways in which you won't be boxed and the ways you want to look for new paradigms and like new, um, frameworks for your solar fire to feel vital in, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel that really strongly, hundred <laughs> percent. Beautiful. It's like, if you're say living the fuck out of your chart, if like that sounds interesting, <laughs> it, it's like, how can we get messed up here? We can get messed up with feeling like if you don't own your Uranus, you know, then you feel like there's something wrong with you. You know, if you, if you, Uranus is non-binary full blown. There's no gender on Uranus. Um, and so it's like queer money. But you have to, you have to, um, love yourself for it. You know, um, when Uranus is really a huge teacher in your life, like a huge force that you're working with is like learning to increasingly not give a fuck. I think is a, a very yes. important part of being Uranian. A Uranian yes. person like doesn't give a fuck, you know. 
<laughs> yeah, and it's, it's been a progression where it's like, I've almost kind of never really given a fuck, but like allowing myself to actually like physically do that in the world and express that to other people and like, you know, bear their reactions. <laughs> That's the harder part, right? Being like, okay, I'm willing to sacrifice anyone's opinion of me for freedom of like mobility and expression and like honesty, like utter, like it is wild to me how rarely we're permitted culturally to be honest about almost anything. Um, And it's like my bread and butter. So it's been very much a struggle to, to learn to love myself over my young life because of that, where it was like everything that I wanted to do was opposite (laughs) or at least to the side of what, Um, I was expected to do for the most part, not everything. Like, you know, I was as a, you know, girl gendered person, I, you know, my kindness and empathy was welcomed, but you know, not necessarily rewarded. Like it's not, it's not necessarily safe to be a tender loving girl, even though that's what we're encouraged to be. Um, Yeah. I definitely had to put on armor as I became a teenager. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, you have this very strong moon in, in cancer in cancer's home sign. Mm-hmm. And it's in the ninth house of foreign lands of higher education, of spirituality, of astrology, of like how you, um, how you go find teachers and also teach and publish even around like these larger topics. Um, But with cancer and the moon being related to our desire to feel safe, um, like where is home? Like, where do I belong? How do I feel safe in my body? Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of moon and, and as well as cancer, and you have both people in the ninth house, there is often like a search for home abroad, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. We're moving abroad, actually, my partner and I. And it's that really touched me, though, what you said, um, just being like, if you asked me, you asked me the question rhetorically, but, you know, where is home? And I'd never heard that interpretation of like, I just thought my moon and cancer meant I was like weepy and cuddly, um, <laughs> which, yes, I am. But um that yeah when I'm abroad like when I like literally when I step off a plane in Europe my body says this is home you know but when I go back to my hometown where I or where I was born those don't I don't get that embodied feeling of like safety I feel safest like in foreign lands <laughs> with yes. strangers yeah not because I'm like unsafe at home I'm safe I'm just like so bored that I feel like threatened <laughs> with like um threatened is a strong word but like honestly like my 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 sense not boredom but my sense of like lack of mobility or of stationariness for me is it's like a pain it's not and I don't think that comes from a trauma I think that is part of my nature that it's like stability is is pretty itchy for me I mean I have I have internal stability but like physical fixedness fixity is difficult so 2020 was quite a quite a ride Uh, (laughs) Even though I actually lived in like four different places through the year, which is crazy to think about. It felt very slow. Yeah. Yeah. I think about, um, if you think about cancer for me is like, um, it's a, it's an initiating sign It initiates summer, you know? And so what does it initiate? Initiates water, which is like personal feeling. Um, and 
because cancer is a per, we call it a personal sign. So it's like initiating personal feeling, which to me is like wrapping your arms around something or someone to like hug it, you know? And so I feel like, um, might, might be interesting for you to contextualize your travels and your studies of lineage lands or maybe like adjacent lineage lands or like looking for home or belonging as like a way to like hug, f- feel safe inside of an embrace in some way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the, the ongoing mystery for me. <laughs> There's something like, why why do I feel safest with strangers and it doesn't feel like a negative thing it feels like coming home like that's like you when you don't know someone you see them for just their humanity um and the longer you know someone the more obscured they become in a way by your narratives about them or um your what you've tended to focus on in your relationship but when you when you just meet someone you can just see like right through them to them their nature you know and i think that's just such a lovable and like enjoyable experience to be, to be among strangers. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and because you're, well, there are a couple of things I wanted to bring up, but your mm-hmm. Jupiter, which is the ruler of your son, Jupiter rules Sagittarius, we say, um, I know the word rule can be like a not fun word to use, like <laughs> of caretaker of, <laughs> um, Jupiter, I have Jupiter in the third house too. Jupiter in, is a very teaching energy. And third house is like um, your, your regular classes, your um, local groups, teaching at a coffee shop, like um, meetups at the library, kind of like, it, it's kind of an, a, an opposite energy to ninth house, which is like going and living with someone, family in another land for a while, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there's something about third house teaching that also really matters. This is like more you holding a zoom call, you know, like uh, the, the regular gatherings, the podcast, like the, 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 um, the forms of speech where you can be some kind of guide for people um, is a really important part of the invitation of your chart. And I feel like what's interesting because it's in Capricorn um, and Capricorn's ruled by Saturn. I'll talk about that in a second. When I looked at Capricorn where you have Jupiter is like very much related to institutions. Um, Capricorn, we associate it with um, institutions, um, anything that has like borders, governing rules, um, uh, authorities, um, elders, structures, you know, like structures of things. And so when I saw it, I thought to myself, I feel like, um, or I'm wondering, is if in the last year when Jupiter came back to, I have this pulled up for 2020, um, Mm -hmm. when Jupiter came back to itself, let's call it a Jupiter return. Jupiter was in um, Capricorn all last year, along with Pluto and along with Saturn. A lot of astrologers contextualize how 2020 was with the fact that these three were all together in the sky. Mm -hmm. Um, I was wondering if like, between Pluto 
and Jupiter and Saturn, your Jupiter, your teacher, you as teacher of the meetups, you as a podcaster, um, you as like Patreon leader, um, this part of you had to maybe purge out or let go of anything that was um, preventing you from really soaring with your Jupiterian spirit and like maybe shedding some of like the restrictions of Capricorn. Um, and maybe that was a part of kind of what happened last year for you um, is yeah. cl claiming your teacher in new ways that purged out some old stuff. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I had to move around that time. I actually, I sprained my ankle in September and I had some insights around it where it was like, my body is very clearly telling me like you're over committed and you're over invested in this idea of like, yeah, structural authority. Like nobody actually, what they, what people benefit the most from with me, I understand, or at least what benefits me the most at the same time is when I show up really authentically and, and improvise. And I learned that um, when I was a teacher that I was much happier as a substitute teacher because I would just show up and we would jam about anything. And it was like the most wonderful encounter. And I think that everybody learned more when I wasn't trying to deliver facts. But um, I was just so used to thinking that delivering facts was, I mean, and I was rewarded for it, right? Like, um, after having been in academia for a long time and then making this podcast that was so packed with information um, that people would get upset at me if I didn't make an, op an, an episode or they would write me messages asking for really specific like research that they were hoping I would do for them. And there was something about that that just kind of graded on me where I felt like as long as I was in this relationship with um, the people that I work for and with that I was the the fact lady <laughs> um, that I was going to feel like it was never enough that I could never actually serve people I could never teach a man to fish for example yeah um, when really what I wanted to show them was just how to live the way that I'm living and whatever folklore example I was using was actually beside the point was this sensation that I was getting you know and so I I really kind of stepped away a bit from the podcast and from from really being so closely attached to Patreon as my way of, of income and, and yeah, just stepping away from the institutional model altogether and being like, let's go rogue and see what happens. I mean, yeah. that's been the best gesture I've ever taken. Let's try it again. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I remember maybe you did an introduction to an episode that was old or something maybe last year where you shared, I don't really do episodes as much like this anymore. And I, mm. and I recognized in that moment that difference that was coming through that I think was appealing to me so much is feeling like maybe the script had been kind of tossed a little bit. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I just didn't want like, to do that anymore. Yeah. I just had the sense that like everything that like some, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people probably said to me in a, in a period of time where I was like, I just feel tired of delivering facts they were like, well, you know so much already in your being, like we all do, we're born equipped. Um, this is the, the basis for like actual successful learning is that we assume that we have all the tools that we need and the outside is just inspiration. It's just the spark, you have the fuel. And I think that's also one of the core ideas in abundance mindset, if we really take it to its extreme, that like we don't need to add anything um, we just need to move towards what we love with, you know, 
naked hearts <laughs> when possible. Yeah. 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 I love that. And, um, and you're doing it and you're continuing to do it. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, <laughs> I wanted to, so I noticed that, you know, a lot of your planets, like kind of like answer, we would, we would say in astrology answer to Saturn because, mm -hmm. um, you have planets also in Aquarius, which is also ruled by Saturn your Sagittarian planets, we look to where Jupiter is. Don't worry about following this. Um, I'm just, I'm telling it for anyone listening. That's kind of learning these techniques, mm -hmm. the Sagittarian planets answer to Jupiter, Jupiter answers to, um, to Saturn, um, because Capricorn is ruled by Saturn and Saturn for you, you're a Saturn rising person. And you would say, in addition to being Scorpio rising, um, you also are Saturn rising because this was the horizon line of 16, the moment you were born. And so Saturn was like just about to come up there. And so Saturn is a big part of your chart because anything in the first house, first house has to do with identity. It's like the helm of the ship that you're driving. So it's like, you're kind of, you can turn your ship with a lot of first house affairs, like first house influences, first house teachers, um, here, Saturn being really important. It's also the rudder of your ship, like the flow of it. Um, we're helped by really understanding our first house and I won't get into the whole thing. Cause there's like a lot that we could talk about here. Um, but when I saw your chart, the first thing I thought was, um, Danica has to, has had to learn to claim her Saturn. So let me talk to you a little bit about this and see if it resonates. Yeah. So Saturn, it was the last planet to the naked eye, um, for a long time or still is right. We just didn't know that there is more. So we think of Saturn as the limit Saturn rules, limits, um, boundaries, borders, walls, Saturn rules our bones. Um, cause it lasts Saturn is Lord of time. It relates to like reality time. Um, like there are actually limits to time. <laughs> so Saturn like rules, like the reality principle of like, I got to wake up. I got to go do these things. Um, Saturn is a principle of constriction because it's like, it creates Saturn creates containers around things. So um, Saturn allows you to put a container around your Sagittarian ideas. So it's like, okay, message has dropped in. I'm going to teach a class. Is, is money queer? You said, mm -hmm. yeah, money queer the, the, the idea drops in, right? Like, what are you going to do with that? Like, it's a beautiful idea, right? Until you put Saturn on it. Um, mm -hmm. that like Saturn is the part of you that's like, well, what's the plan for how we're going to do this? Like, what dates do you want to pick? Like, okay, backing up, if you're going to do those dates, like you're going to have to get the web page ready by this point. We need Saturn, even though Saturn's like kind of annoying, right? Like, uh, well, I'm sure some people like it. <laughs> and so Saturn's like right there at the horizon. And like the horizon isn't a point of embodiment because it's where the sky meets the earth, literally like spirit meets the body, like rising things that are, were around the horizon. We were born 
They're part of what we're here in this lifetime to do is learn how to embody these principles, you know, mm-hmm. like really owning your Saturn and shifting your Saturn. So it like works for you. Right. So instead of it being a principle of constriction, like, well, I can't do this because the structures are like that, or like, I can't do that. I don't have time. I can't do that. I don't, how will I make money? Like da, da, da. I'm running through the reality. The reality of it is that that won't be possible. You know, and right. then your Sagittarian side is like, anything's possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But ideally well, you come into like owning your Saturn. So you're like, I'm the boss. I'm going to create the structures for this to happen in it. I'm going to choose the mood by which I'm going to like a- approach this, you know, and have it feel these ways and give it these ritual containers, give it these like vessels and structure that feel good to me. And I'm just, that's how it's going to be like kind of owning that, you know, instead of like the self-criticality that paralyzes you, you know? Yeah. That would, that's been a really, really strong, um, sometimes battle for me in my life. I think it's one of the, the, the things that I've, that I've often looked outside of myself most often to be like, can someone help me with this? Like, I don't know why this is such a struggle. Like, it's so weird. Like, and I still struggle with it sometimes, but it really eased off when I realized that I could make my own structures and that um, knowing that they were arbitrary was what made me feel okay with them. Like I just chose these. I can change them if I want to. Mm. Um, they're just one among many options and they're in my, my control. So um, I often expand <laughs> beyond the container of like the time that I set for myself to do something. But since I'm just accountable to me. There doesn't have to be any shame or disappointment or like um, meaning about my belonging or, or like, um, you know, reliability encoded in that anymore. I think that that's, it was not, I didn't fully like making my own podcast and becoming self-employed didn't just solve that for me entirely. It's only sort of recently when I stopped doing things out of obligation that I began, became able to like, employ structures in in an empowered way, I think, instead of trying Mm -hmm. to push against them all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I was really struck by two, this felt like a real claiming. um, And maybe you've been saying this for a long time, but it's the first time I'd ever heard you say it. But um, in your final podcast, maybe not final, final, but a fair book, um, but final for a while, um, the okay. last for a while, I, you said something about um, we are not beings with a purpose mm. or like something <laughs> about like purpose is not what's going on here. Um, or like we don't, if we're, if you're married to that structure, right, if that's your framework, um, then you're all, it's like that, that could be a vitality killer, you know? So I'm wondering if you, maybe yeah. that could be part of that too. Definitely. I think that I, that was the big shift for me in the last little while as I'm transitioning out of this podcast and as I've um, yeah stopped thinking of myself as an information deliverer and more of a, like a facilitator um, moving, yeah, moving away from feeling like I am for something that I am spending myself on something that's outside of me 
um, that's even theoretical um, instead of instead of focusing on what I'm called to do and recentering um, my energy in that way that like I always prioritize how I feel and my level of interest in something now instead of an abstract devotion to something outside of me like I think what I did mainly like if you wanted to like schematize it um, is that I took the divine like how I was visualizing the divine and I instead of placing it out in the world I put it right in the center of my body and I and I said this is where I get information from the divine or I observed that um, and since I did that things have flowed a lot more smoothly because the yeah the boundaries around me are are by choice instead of by imposition mm-hmm. yes and so this process of like claiming that Saturn to me, it feels like has is giving you so much um, direction and flow, even if you don't have to know like where that's going, so to speak. Right. Um, yeah. Cause I realized once I started took hold of my own destiny and, and started doing just what I wanted to do, that nothing happens the way that we plan it. Um, and then once I was able to like take responsibility for that, I'm no longer disappointed because I just interpreted it as like divine intervention or something, you know, just like, Oh, it's just nothing. We don't, we have no ability to predict the future. That's not, that's not necessary. And it's not, it's just not real. And I believe in a lot of things, but I've, I've noticed that that belief tends to disempower. Yeah. Well, that's really powerful that you said that. Cause I'm actually working right now personally with um, helping myself with, um, my tendencies towards expectation and like care, caretaking how to, um, to, to, to notice like when my, my brain starts to go to the future, but it's, I think more kind of a trauma response, even of like, just looking for the safety, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and when that- are things going to be okay. <laughs> right I think it's gonna be okay. yeah. exactly yeah and just trust dropping deeper and deeper into being here now um and that being where I'm going to create um yeah yeah not to downplay that that's terrifying like I also am afraid of being here now um <laughs> and I <Yeah>. think <laughs> To be taken in limited doses, <laughs> if, if it feels that way right now, um, it doesn't, it's, no one is ever fully present in that way. I mean, maybe, but I definitely, as someone who has like a pretty intense, like mind, um, I don't know what you'd call that, but like my brain is very active and very intellectual and rather abstract sometimes. So it's not, it's pulling me up a lot of the time and I can't, it's, it's unrealistic to expect that I would be constantly grounded. It's, it's not even what I'm here to do. I don't think, but yeah, to, yeah get grounded, but don't stay there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I value that very much from uh, my Pisces personality. Um, um, it tends to rise up and out <laughs> with yeah. great glee. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing your story and your chart with me and with listeners. Um, I'm really excited to um, experience your webinar that I'm signed up for for later today, um, which um, I imagine you will speak more about the upcoming class therein. 
or maybe mm-hmm. just starting tomorrow um, with your promo. So yeah. I'm wishing it's, you all the best with that. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. It's so interesting like to be on a podcast that's really in the moment, you know, where it's like we try to be in the moment with it, but we're like, we got to hit all these points. And it's like, you know, they want me to say the things and read the scripts kind of um, not in a bad way. That's I mean, I also have a had a podcast and had the same uh, approach, but it's, it feels really nice to be able to settle in and, and yeah. And to be held in that way and like witnessed is, is pretty special. I really appreciate oh, it. Thank you. I don't, I don't know any other way. So I'm just making <laughs> it up. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> thank you. I, um, I wanted to ask you many of these questions a long time. So I feel really honored to be able to to um, have some time with you. Well, I hope we get to talk again very soon. Why don't you share how people can find you um, if they would like to learn more about your work? Absolutely. Um, You can find me most primarily on Instagram at (laughs) Danica.voice, my actual name. And I post there almost every day. And from there, I have a link tree that has my mailing list as well. If you're someone who doesn't like being on social media all the time, which is very understandable. And you can find Fair Folk Podcast on any podcast app. And you just look it up. Fair Folk is two words. It's also on Spotify. And if you want, I also have about 20 episodes that were only released on Patreon, including some of the first ones from when I was a radio show and they just never got released online. And that would be fairfolk, you know, patreon.com slash fairfolkcast. And I can give you those links to put in the show notes if you like. Yes, I will do that. Thank, Thank you, you so much. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with me and Danica Boyce. If you are learning about astrology, you can think about how Jupiter rules her son in Sag and Jupiter rules my son in Pisces and how that kind of like big, bright, um, expansive quality of Jupiter, I feel like was really lighting up the back and forth conversation between us. I just... um, I felt like I was like dancing on rainbows <laughs> talking with her. And it's funny because we, we've admitted to each other that we've had dreams about each other, like on the astral plane, we were hanging out and having fun. And so it was great to just capture a recording of our connection. I'm so grateful for Danica's spirit in the world. And I hope that if her work feels like a yes to you, that you will please check out everything that she's doing through the links that I'll share in the show notes. If you're feeling a yes to charting your course, please check it out. Early bird enrollment ends August 22nd. Yep. So if you want those extra meetups for more intimate conversation, please go register soon. And you do that through signing up for the list for the class at my course page or by joining my Patreon community.
I do also encourage you to watch the webinar, Living the Fuck Out of Your Chart, to get a sense for me and to get a sense for Jonathan and our dynamic as co-teachers, because it's so important to vibe with your teacher when you do something huge, like learn how to read your chart. I mean, people joined priesthoods for this, you know, like it's it's not a small thing. (laughs) It's not like a cute webinar series. It's a practice and it's a commitment. And I'm calling you in if you know that astrology is trying to talk to you in bigger ways than it currently is. That's how I got into it. I just knew. I didn't know how. I just knew. So please come join me. And um, if you're hearing this after early bird has ended, you can still upgrade. It's 15% of the total. That's um, 333. It's an upgrade of 15% just because those are special meetups. So you can still join if you miss the early bird. Sending my sincere best wishes for this coming lunar cycle from the new moon in Leo. Wishing you all the best. I'll see you at the next of these um, installments in the series. Cheers.